0: Let's open our Bibles to Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35 is much shorter than Isaiah 34. We'll set the stage for it and then go through its verses like we did chapter 34. We will not take too long. And at the end of this exposition of the 35th chapter, we will have a long prayer or a longer prayer involving many national blessings that we enjoy in this country and we have them Isaiah 35 I like to summarize it with one sentence this way a remnant returned from Babylon with God's blessings that extended those blessings extended to times of the Messiah verses 1 2 is the reversal of fortune for Judah verses 3 & 4 the encouragement to the Jews 5 through 7 The blessings that reach all the way to Messiah and verses 8 through 10 a highway of holiness to Zion let me set the context here for this chapter there isn't a reason that it shouldn't be attached to 34 it's divided by our chapter divisions and that can sometimes throw people off but 34 was pure judgment 35 is pure blessing And it's two different groups of people and the transition is not named the transition is just assumed and so you've got to bear that in mind with me allow me to share these thoughts with you before i go through the verses first setting the context is really important very important as i hope you saw even last lord's day from chapters 32 and 33 that once we set the context and we have enough evidence to make a choice that this is Assyria, that this is Sennacherib, we have a time frame, we have a Hezekiah, we have an Isaiah, we have a Shebna, we have an Eliakim. We have things that we know from the rest of the book of Isaiah and from other chapters and books in the Bible. Setting the context is very important. There are words missing in this chapter of 35 that would be helpful. And when we're lazy and wish that the Lord would spoon-feed us, we can say we wish that there were words there like this. I wish that there was the word ensign or the word son, anointing, child, root, David, Messiah, Gentiles, nations, virgin, spirit, people, branch, rain, and words like that to make it overtly messianic. But there aren't any of those. However, what do we have? Isaiah 34 is by Nebuchadnezzar's war against Edom, which we covered this morning, and the area nations. But the time frame of Isaiah 34 extended beyond 110 years, didn't it? From Hezekiah to Nebuchadnezzar taking the city was 110 years or so. And it extended way beyond that because the prophecy wasn't fulfilled until New Testament times about 105 A.D. when the Emperor Trajan completely fulfilled Isaiah 34, just like it took that long to fulfill Isaiah 13 about the total desolation of Babylon. Since I have Isaiah 34 in my back pocket, since you have it on the left page of where 35 is on the right page, and it took 34 to be completely fulfilled in New Testament times, I'm comforted that if I see initiation by Cyrus the Persian and a recovery from Babylon that the verses may also be describing something that happens as late as the New Testament. Right. Yeah. You say you'll do anything to find context. Amen to you for saying that. Because without context we are lost. Right. So I like that's a starting point. Keep listening. We're setting the context right now. Because Isaiah 34 extended all the way into the New Testament period, even though Nebuchadnezzar was the initiator, Cyrus is the initiator of chapter 35, but it extends just as far. Isaiah 24 and 25 are very, very similar to 34 and 35. 24 is all judgment, and 25 is blessing, and it definitely (laughs) extends to Messiah. So when we find a parallel passage in Isaiah, just a few chapters ago, that lines up comparably to what we have in front of us, and it has judgment, and then it has blessing, and the blessing extends all the way to Jesus, our Lord. We can see that in 35, because we've got terminology there that can certainly extend to Him, we feel more comfort yet. So I'm, I'm building your comfort, like I've had to have my comfort built in recent days. Isaiah 35, 4... Look at it now. Isaiah 35, 4 has a salvation in it. He will come and save you. Which is fulfilled more completely by far in Jesus Christ than anyone else. Salvation for the Jews. If you go back and read Luke chapter 1 and, and Luke 2 and 3 and see what Zacharias prophesied, what Mary said to Elizabeth, It's about salvation and the defeat of enemies that extend beyond just ordinary natural defeat of enemies to salvation that we have in Christ our Messiah. Verse 6 has waters breaking out, which we can cross-reference rather easily with this same event and time and people in Ezekiel 36, where God said that he would sprinkle clean water upon the Jews when he brought them back and give them a new heart. And so we see a spiritual fulfillment in water. And so when we look at this water, this water is causing some things, and this water is connected to a highway. Because the, the water is in verse 6, and the highway is in verse 8. Let me tell you what I could do. And I don't think there'd be anybody here that could gainsay me. I could make this entirely Cyrus and the regathering of the Jews from Babylon to Jerusalem, period. And I could justify it with with cross-references in the book of Isaiah and elsewhere. Entirely literal back then. Or, I could make it entirely spiritual and see Jesus in every word. And I'm not going to do either. I'm going to do what I did in 34 and show you both. There's gonna be a sword that's Nebuchadnezzar's, but it's not gonna be completely fulfilled by Nebuchadnezzar, but many others after him. And we're gonna see, Cyrus isn't gonna be named here, but that is who released them from Babylon, but then we're gonna see it extending all the way into the New Testament, and Gospel era blessings being part of it. So it may sound like, I think you just gave us a double interpretation of some verses. I think I can come up with a triple just like I can in 34. I can show you that Nebuchadnezzar initiated, but others had to follow up to fulfill it completely until Edom was entirely desolate. Media did not make Babylon desolate. Many others contributed later, and as we go into 35, there will be others as well. But we have waters breaking out, and they could be just natural springs appearing in Israel to improve their agriculture, or it's talking about some waters that we can find by cross-reference that are related to a highway of holiness. 35 and verse 8, we have a highway of holiness, and thank you, Lord, because in chapter 11 and chapter 19, we have already run into a highway. There are no other highways in the book of Isaiah except a highway that came to the Fuller's Field where Isaiah met Ahaz and talked to him, and that was a literal highway highway this is a future highway that's going to be built and it's called the highway of holiness and it's the one we better be on but we've got that in verse 8 of Isaiah 35 there's a highway there and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness that doesn't really have a literal fulfillment or a national fulfillment like it does a spiritual and a religious fulfillment in Christ in verse 10, we have everlasting joy without, without sorrow or sighing. And if you read Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi, what those 49 years when they rebuilt the temple, in Daniel's prophecy, what was it called? TT. Troublous times. Remember? It was called troublous times. But we have everlasting joy, and them, them just being full of singing praise and sorrow and sighing will flee away. (laughs) That's a little better than we can read fulfillment in the rebuilt Jerusalem. Okay. Do I have more? Look at look at chapter 36. Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib king of Assyria came up against all the defense cities of Judah and took them. Is that a prophecy? Is 37 a prophecy? Is 38 a prophecy? Is 39 a prophecy? Is 36, 37, 38, and 39 2 Kings 16 through 20 and 2 Chronicles 28 through 32? Yes. It's an addendum stuck in. It's not a prophecy of Isaiah. He's just put in there the record of what actually happened with his prophecies in front of it. So, what's the next word? What's the next verse after 35.10? Could I hear it? Comfort ye my people. Does that help give us context? Because when you look at 36 through 39, is, is there a prophecy anywhere in there? No. So it's not connected to the prophecy of 35. Is there a prophecy in 40? verse 1 and so if you if you understand that 36 through 39 is not part of his preaching he's recording history just like the recorder did for kings and the recorder did for chronicles and his prophecy building up to a point is left alone for four chapters and it resumes with comfort ye my people And we've got John the Baptist and Jesus Christ right in front of us you say I like that answer. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Chapter 40 through 48 is going to be about two men. 40 through 50, 40 through 60. It's going to be about two men. Cyrus, Jesus. Right. Cyrus, Jesus. Isaiah is the one that taught us look in the book and read. He gave all those prophecies about Sennacherib and Assyria. Then he laid it out by putting the history for the third time in the Bible between the end of his prophecies about Assyria and the beginning of his prophecies about Cyrus and the gospel era. And so when you you look at those and understand, well, he just stuck that in there for the fulfillment of what he prophesied. His prophecy ends with the redeemed of the Lord coming to Zion and sorrow and sighing will flee away comfort ye my, oh yes Lord, the ransomed of the Lord returned to rebuild Zion, but they looked way past that little shack they built him to the glory that would fill it. Like Haggai said, the glory of this latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house because they saw the desire of all nations coming to that second temple. And even when the desire of all nations came to that second temple as a little baby, it was better than anything Solomon's temple had ever had. Amen. So we see Cyrus, we see the rebuilding, we see the gathered Jews, we see John the Baptist, we see the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see real joy in having a Savior. So much joy that Simon could say, Simeon could say, Lord, now that I've seen your salvation, I can depart in peace. Give me the big one. Lord, you told me that I would see your Savior, your Messiah, before I died. I have just seen Him. I'm ready to go. And it's the hope of heaven because of His finished work on the cross that all sorrow and all sighing will go away forever. We go to funerals and we're not like the rest of the wicked because we're not like those that have no hope because we are filled with hope by the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ contained... Here, along with Cyrus, releasing these people, there being some agricultural recovery, but more than that, there's different water breaking out, and there's a highway of holiness that wasn't rebuilding the infrastructure of Judah, but is the spiritual religious highway of holiness that leads us to the spiritual Mount Zion. Let's go through the verses. The first two verses, reversal of fortune for Judah. Do you remember what we had in 34 we had a profitable, fertile, productive, prosperous land reduced to pitch, brimstone, and burning pitch. The land of Edom. This land is going to be totally different. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. This is Judah's land for Judah's people coming back from Babylon totally different than 34 There was nothing blooming in Edom. It was a burning pitch wasteland. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. That's an emotion like the next clause. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. The territory would cause the people of God to celebrate the restored prosperity being back in Judah. It shall blossom abundantly, the desert, what had been desert. And rejoice, even with joy and singing. Deserts don't rejoice with joy and singing, but the people that are back in their home do. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. They. So now there's people involved, and these people are planning to come back and are coming back from Babylon to this desolate land. Edom was prosperous made desolate and left desolate judah was prosperous made desolate but to be recovered very different than how god dealt with edom and so these two verses are describing what looked like a wilderness for 70 years and what looked like a solitary place and a desert for 70 years but now it was rejoicing it was blossoming it was blossoming abundantly And God gave it the glory of the three most prosperous places in the area, Lebanon, Carmel, and Sharon. He exploded the place with renewed prosperity and brought them back home and turned it from the wasteland that he had left it by the Chaldeans to their new home again because he he was through with them. He was through chastening them. And now he wanted to embrace them and bless them. And so that is the first two verses of Isaiah 35 the wilderness and the solitary place exploded with thanksgiving and praise from God as the people arrived on it and God blessed it. Can we see, we could see things there in that first two verses. I, I want to be so careful with you and not spiritualize things. And so it becomes Johnny's bedtime stories because that's not Bible preaching. I want to read in the book and the law of God distinctly and give you the sense to the best of my ability. Can I look at that and know that we Gentiles were a desert and a wilderness place and a solitary place and God caused us to blossom? I could preach it for an hour. But I don't have Gentiles and nations here, so I'm reluctant to do that. I'm content with the first two verses at God taking the prosperous Edom in chapter 34 and making it desert and taking the desert of Judah in 35 and making it prosperous and fertile by His blessing. They're going to rebuild their temple. They're going to rebuild their city. They're going to regather for worship. And they're going to be back like it used to be. And that's what they're hoping for, and that's what they're celebrating. And so we see the first two verses. If I go beyond that, then we start down a path where we don't really have a compass or a guide or road signs You can't, you know, you can question me. I could blow smoke at you, and we wouldn't be able to determine where we should be. And so with the context introduction that I gave you, I'm just going to leave it right there because I can get enough before I get out of this chapter that's a little plainer. And I know he did this stuff, these things, naturally when he brought them back because I can find it in other places. Yeah, I want to be your Bible answer, man, and tell you absolutely everything and tell you that verses 1 and 2 are 94.5% literal and only 5.5% messianic. And if I could do that, well, we'll, do, we'll all do it one of these days soon, won't we? We'll all do it one of these days. Verses 3 and 4. Can you imagine being back in Babylon and starting that 900-mile trip back? When you get home, what's it gonna be like? How many yellow ribbons are gonna be tied around the old oak tree? Edom's gonna be there. You could suspect Edom's gonna be there. It's gonna be a pile of rubble. Your farm will absolutely be destroyed by 70 years of vacant owners. It's, it's terrible. So what do we have here? Some encouragement. And so this little two-verse section of chapter 35 is encouragement to the Jews. Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. This sounds like our martyr presentation this morning. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. You don't need to be afraid of any enemies. You don't need to be afraid of Edom. He is going to take care of you. In fact, he's already taken care of you with them by the sword of Nebuchadnezzar. And he continued to take care of Israel and Judah against Edomites. But so there's two verses here of encouragement. Come back. Be strong. The Lord's going to deliver us. Yes, it's a mess. When we get back there, we're going to have enemies, we're going to have opposition. And yes, it was called troublous times, but the Lord's with us. Those men were so courageous, they'd have a trowel in one hand, a sword in the other. They were ready to fight at the drop of a trowel. Because they were building the city and ready to, and ready to defend their actions. But this is what the people of God ought to do based on the promises of God. Because we have had promises all the way from chapter 2 in the first few verses that the mountain of the Lord's house is gonna be established in Judah, and all nations are gonna flow to it, prophecy after prophecy, with a highway of holiness in chapter 11, and a highway from Assyria to Egypt in chapter 19. All of that was preparatory to getting here, and so the purpose for prophecy is what verse 16 of chapter 34 told us, seek ye of the book of the Lord, and read, no one of these shall fail. Everything God said he would do, he will do. So let's go let's go let's go you say you sound like a cheerleader isn't that 20 percent of a pastor's job listen we got to be cheered on our deathbeds we got to be cheered when we go to an interview for a new job some of you girls need to be cheered when you take a driver's ed test i mean a driver's test so we need cheering because the lord's promised he hasn't promised that you're going to pass your driving test as some of you have found out but (laughs) he's promised so much for us we can go and encourage each other strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees does anyone think of a new testament passage that has those words in it hebrews chapter 12 yes don't you be discouraged because the lord's chastening you the lord chastened them should they be discouraged no way that chastening had come to an end and he was about to embrace them in his arms Strengthen ye the weak hands, as Hebrews chapter 12, and confirm the feeble knees, and then to each other, say to them that are of a fearful heart, let this be our church, when anyone among us is fearful. And you know, we have things that have come up recently. We, We have things in this church that cause fear, and it's okay. David was afraid. David praised the Lord for delivering him from all his fears. David said, what time I am afraid, I will put my trust in him. Let's encourage each other. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Everything's going to be okay. Look, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. What Edom did to you on the way out of town, God's taken care of, and he's going to keep taking care of it until there's no more Edom. Let's go. I don't know how to apply this to going to see John the Baptist and getting baptized. I just, I have my limitations at creativity. And I hope that you'll appreciate that. If you knew what I had to read this week and last week. Do you know that last week, those chapters, the Baptist father that went before me that's considered the most knowledgeable Baptist that has ever written a commentary is John Gill. And John Gill said that those two chapters last week, were the Protestant churches of the Reformation. Lord, I am the least and the worst you've ever had in the ministry. But anything you show me, I will preach to your people and I'll preach it unapologetically and I'll preach it confidently and I'll preach it enthusiastically. Because all I care about is you showing us your truth. We love your word and we love every word of your word and we don't change your words. Let's come to verse 5. 5 through 7. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes this is a tremendous change introduced by four miracles of handicaps being eliminated and it's based on water breaking forth and there's a highway that comes next because the highway's in verse 8. We're not to the highway yet. That's the next section. We've got these three verses right here. 5, 6, and 7. And so we've got, we've got four miracles. Now we could say some springs popped up. As they were marching home, some springs popped, pop, popped up and would allow them to water their gardens and their fields a little bit better. And that caused blind people to get sight and deaf people to get ears and, and the dumb to start singing. We could, you know, we could play like that. And would they, were, were they excited because agriculture was renewed in Judah? Yes. But do the words sound just a little too much for that situation? And can you think of another, I can think of two more. Can you think of two more situations with language like that? Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus do these four miracles specifically? Did Jesus cause the eyes of the blind to be opened? Was blind Bartimaeus healed by Jesus Christ, the son of David? Did he open the eyes of Bartimaeus more than one way? Oh, yes, he did. Did he tell us in earlier chapters that he was going to bring blindness upon the Jews? And heal it? The ears of the deaf. Did he open the ears of the deaf so that they were unstopped? Did lame men jump around and leap as in a heart under the ministry of Jesus and the apostles? Did the tongue of the dumb sing? Were the dumb brought to Jesus and, and evil spirits of dumbness thrown out so that they could speak and sing? For, for, in the wilderness shall waters break out. Now, when I've got a connection like that, Just because a spring popped up on his farm, it can be compared to the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the dumb singing, and the lame leaping? Nah. Is there another explanation that fits better? The pouring out of the Holy Spirit of God upon John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's healing ministry, John the Baptist's preaching ministry, it changed Judah. And it was what everything was pointing toward. Why did he bring them back for my name's sake? Why did he ever preserve Judah? Because of the anointing. Who is the object of the anointing? Not David, David's long dead. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Right. When I look at these three verses, I see that I can see several ways they could be. The way that I want to share with you is the sense of these three verses is Jesus Christ performed these four miracles literally, and it was based on water bursting out where there had not been water like this before that Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Ghost above measure and it burst out and it changed everything that dry nation that the only thing it had going for it was the law of Moses animal sacrifices in a temple system of religion now had John the Baptist the Lord Jesus Christ redemption by his blood on the cross and the pouring out of the Holy Ghost that was done on the day of Pentecost and filled that place every every drag listen were dragons tamed by the holy ghost were places that were parched changed by the holy ghost backwoods galilee galilee was backwoods rednecks they were changed they loved the lord jesus christ maybe more than any other place i mean bethany only had a few bethany loved the lord as well and this is the sense that the lord has shown me for these three verses here five six and seven that when you see the miracles of Jesus in the f- verse 5 and the first half of verse 6, there is a connection after that colon telling you the explanation follows for, and we have a coordinating conjunction in the wilderness, waters are going to break out. We have a highway of holiness that we've got to deal with. Are you going to tell me that in verses 5, 6, and 7, all we've got are farmers doing square dancing because they have a new spring on the property, but verse 8 is going to be a highway of holiness leading to the kingdom of Jesus Christ? It doesn't fit in my little mind. And I hope it doesn't fit in yours. I hope you can see 5, 6, and 7 as the Lord Jesus Christ and the waters breaking out Ezekiel 36, okay, you don't believe me. Ezekiel 36, let me share some verses with you from Ezekiel 36. About, you know, and these are Presbyterian verses. This is how Presbyterians get sprinkling into the New Testament, if you want to know. There's only one way, one passage. There's no other place. Ezekiel 36. Verse 24, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and I will bring you into your own land. Look back at 23 so I can share with you what I told you earlier. I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. That is him saying, I'm gonna do it for my own self. I'm not gonna do it for you because you people have profaned me while you've been in captivity even, but I'm gonna do it for my own self. And I'll take you from among the heathen and I'll bring you back out of the countries where I've sent you. Verse 24. 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes. Ye shall keep my judgments and do them, and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleannesses and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you now notice he brings in agricultural prosperity right there at the end but this is salvation, forgiveness of sins and pouring out of the Holy Ghost the Apostle Paul is going to bring this up in Hebrews chapter 8 as the new covenant with Israel and so when we read, when we read 5, 6 and 7 of Isaiah 35 where are we going to let our minds go? Let's keep them disciplined to Scripture. Was there a pouring out of Scripture that attended the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ and changed the nation? Yes. Let's go to the next section, verses 8 through 10. And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Those are New Testament, messianic, Jesus Christ only blessings that come through his gospel and his finished work on the cross. As we get here toward the end, looking at verse 8, And highway shall be there. Is this a literal highway? Did they, have, did they build a road? Did they have excavators, bulldozers, earth movers? Did road signs pop in of the green, the green type? you know that light up with your headlights at night that said the highway of ho- the way of holiness or is this a figurative metaphorical spiritual religious description of the way to the kingdom of god Amen. made possible by the lord jesus christ Amen. let's look at the verse verse 8 and highway shall be there and a way did jesus christ present a way to the jewish nation to approach God oh yes he did and he said his way was straight and narrow the unclean shall not pass over it it is straight and narrow the broad way the wide gate and the broadway leads to destruction it doesn't lead to Jesus Christ's kingdom and his everlasting kingdom called heaven and highway shall be there you should thank God for the highway system of the new testament of jesus christ i know that some of you coming down from the mountains of north carolina are thankful for a highway system but that highway system is inferior to this highway system the 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 signs on that thing say things like u.s 25 and six percent grade the next 12 miles or or something like that look what we have the sign says the way of holiness. Kingdom of God ahead. Jesus, your Lord, ahead. I want to be on that way, and He has sent me you know, to help you be on that way. I want to be on that way. This isn't some road coming back from Babylon to the burned out pile of rubble called earthly Jerusalem. And called the way of holiness. This is leading us upward and onward. This is where Pilgrim is going. In Pilgrim's Progress. Those of you that have read Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim Pilgrim knows exactly what I'm talking about. And a highway shall be there. It's just going to be there. The Lord's going to show up and say "I've I've got the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And a highway shall be there, and a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. How do you approach God by holy living? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. What is one of the traits of the perilous times? The last days, men shall be unholy. The unclean shall not pass over it. Straight gate. Narrow way, you can pass over it. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Same chapter, Matthew chapter 7. How about Matthew 22? God comes into the marriage supper of His Son and walks up to a man that doesn't have a wedding garment on and says, friend, where's your wedding garment? And the man is speechless. And God says, throw him out of here. The unclean shall not go over this way. They may pretend sometimes to be going with us, but they they went out from us because they went out from us because they were not of us, it says in 1 John. The way of holiness, the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. Those! That's a demonstrative pronoun. I wish it said these. I talked to the Lord very openly. If it said these, I know it's what follows. Since it says those, it's not the unclean. There's no one else there. There's nothing in no one in seven. Oh, five and six. All those healed and blessed people that you healed from their physical infirmities and delivered in verses five and six. it, It shall be for those. It shall be for, listen brethren, you've got a demonstrative pronoun. Those means it's over there. These means it's right here. Right? I want it to say these, because then I've got the, the next clause. I, I really don't want to change the Bible. Do you know how I speak sometimes? Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's those. It's a demonstrative pronoun for some persons that have been laid out in context before this verse. It shall be for those. The blind, the, 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 the deaf, with their ears unstopped, the lame man leaping, the tongue of the dumb singing and so forth back there in verses five and six. The unclean aren't gonna pass over it. It's gonna be for those people that had the healing ministry and the power of Jesus Christ in their lives, They'll wait and now we have a colon. That colon is a three-point stop. And if you'll notice when I read, I try to read these with their stops. A comma is one pause, a, a semicolon is two, a colon is three. And a period is four. So we've got a break after, but it shall be for those. Because it's referring to someone else. The wayfaring man is a new group. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. God has chosen the simple, the base, and the poor, and the nothings of this world to bring to nothing those things that are. Right. And so we're, we're but wayfaring men. I love to tell the Lord on the least and the worst that he's ever had in the ministry. What do you love to tell the Lord about you? We're wayfaring men. We're wandering through this world. And the wayfaring men, though fools, though we're not very smart, though we're not very wise. Does the Bible say these things about us? God has not chosen the wise of this world as the the citizens and heirs of his kingdom. He's chosen the fools of this world. Lord, I'm your fool. I want to be your fool. Did you know I tried to make our website with the title of Balaam's ass? Way back in the beginning in the year 2000. I wanted our website to be Balaam's ass because I felt more comfortable with that. But another Baptist preacher already had it. Many people have come to me and thanked me for that other Baptist preacher. Listen, are you willing to tell the Lord that you're nothing but a wayfaring man and though you're foolish at times, That He has given you preachers and He's given you the Word of God to keep you in His way? Hasn't He been gracious to us that way? He's reminded us. He's tapped us on our shoulder. This is the way, walk ye in it. He has taken care of us. This is the passage. I hope hope you're not offended that I didn't want to make 1 and 2 too spiritual, 3 and 4 too spiritual. Listen, we're building. We're building the case right now. And I hope you see it in verse 8. It's powerful and that is only fulfilled spiritually. And it's fulfilled in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of the apostles. Verse 9, no lion shall be there. Why? Because the lion's going to lie down with the lamb, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Isaiah chapter 11, you say, how can you bring Isaiah 11 in? Because that's the chapter that has the highway. It's Isaiah 11, verse 16. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there. The highway is a highway without destruction, without hatred, without anger, the lion lying down with the lamb and the wolf with the lamb, but the redeemed shall walk there. The redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ, his chosen people. And because of Isaiah 11 and because of Isaiah 2 and because of Isaiah 19, it includes Gentiles, though not stated here. And the ransom of the Lord shall return. They're gonna return all the way from Babylon. They're gonna return all the way to God like we learned in Isaiah chapter 10 on how those words can be understood. The ransom to the Lord bought back by the work of Cyrus their shepherd, they're gonna return and they're gonna come to Zion. Extending, you say, you're extending over a broad period of time. Yes, that's what Isaiah 34 told us to do because though Nebuchadnezzar had the sword, though Nebuchadnezzar had the sword, the fulfillment of the perpetual desolation took hundreds of years after that. And so we see Cyrus releasing them and them returning and coming back to Zion, but there is another coming back to Zion that that took hundreds of years to fulfill before John the Baptist appeared in the scene, then Jesus, then the apostles, and then we hear it. And the ransomed of the Lord bought back out of captivity shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. You go read the book of Malachi and see if they had everlasting joy on their heads back in Judah. Read Malachi sometime. It is not filled with pleasant things. It is filled with further indictments of the Jews after their recovery. Malachi is terrible to read. They did not learn by their captivity. This is something different. Was there a group of Jews later, that, that were, there was a group of Jews that were cursed? The last word of the Old Testament is, if you don't repent and restore the relationships of fathers and sons, I will bring a curse upon the earth. And he cursed the Jewish nation. But those fathers and sons that were reconciled by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, They fulfilled the ministry of John the Baptist and were a people prepared for the Lord, Luke 1, 17. And they had joy on their heads and gladness, and sorrow and sighing fleet away. The apostle Paul said, I am confident that as soon as I can die, I'm going to lose this tabernacle and get a new one. I am ready to depart. For I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. I'm ready to go to be with the Lord. It is far better to depart and to be with Christ. He wasn't sighing or sorrowing about death because he was one of the ransomed of the Lord. And he was one of the redeemed of the Lord. And he had songs and everlasting joy on his head. He wasn't afraid. I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. He's got my soul. He's redeemed my soul. He's ransomed my soul. I've turned my soul over to Him. My eternal destiny is in His hands. All is safe and secure, is what the Apostle Paul said. And so did Isaiah 35 and verse 10. Because if you go read Malachi, and see, I, can't do, I, can, I can do it if you want me to, but it'll be the rest of my life in Isaiah, and I don't want to do that. I could show you that Malachi... Did not have this, verse 10. Who did? It started with John the Baptist, Zacharias, Elizabeth, Mary, 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 Mary. There's a lot of Marys. Lydia, apostles, tremendous change. The Thessalonians turned from idols to serve the living God and to, and to, wait, for his son from where? From heaven. Who hath, who hath delivered us from the wrath to come. Oh, yep, that sure would fit, wouldn't it? And we don't, we don't sorrow like others that have no hope because we're filled with hope. So we can go to funerals and look at them entirely different. And brethren, we can look back at verses 3 and 4 and when we're on our deathbeds, let's help each other. Let's die in the Lord together. Be strong. Be strong. As soon as you can get rid of that body, your spirit's going to be in the presence of the Lord. And let's do it with singing and songs and everlasting joy upon our heads. Let's fulfill that 10th verse. We're capable of fulfilling it because we are the fulfillment of it. We are in the Messianic New Testament gospel era of the Bible. Jesus Christ has come and brought such joy and revolution. And I don't want to use that word because too many people understand it wrong. Revival and renewal by bringing us the way and highway of holiness that we can approach to God by the straight and narrow way, straight into His presence. The unclean cannot go there, and they're going to be turned away at the gate, but we will be brought in by our names being in the book of life. Praise His great and glorious name. And those are our spiritual blessings. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.